So let's open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We talked last week, we jumped ahead last week, and uh, we're jumping back, but last week we talked about being, being, uh, giving thanks in all things. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, and uh, we, we talked about sitting in that Thanksgiving chair like through every circumstance, finding the place of thanksgiving in our hearts. Maybe not for what is happening. You can't give thanks for evil, but you can give thanks to God in it, that he is faithful, that he is good, that he is faithful, and that his love endures forever. He's good. Let me get that in the right order. He's good, his love endures forever, and his faithfulness continues through all generations, Psalm 100, uh, verse 5. And also, the foundation for that, all things work together for good. And where is that found? Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28, that's right. So God wants us to be a thankful people. I think, you know, there's enough grumblers and complainers and gripers and critics in the world. God wants us to be a thankful people. And it shows and it, it, it rubs off and people pick up on it. You know, there's something different about that person. Even though everything isn't perfect, there, there's a thankfulness, a gratefulness about that person. I'm going to read that quote to you again from the guy, one of the co-founders of Dayspring Cards. He said, being thankful sweetens you, grumbling sours you. Being thankful brings sunshine to your countenance. Being ungrateful casts a shadow. Being thankful brings a melody to your words. Criticism makes you sound like a clanging cymbal. Being thankful keeps you on the road, on the pathway of celebration. Complaint takes you down the road of despair. There's something about being thankful. And again, in everything, give thanks. Not necessarily for. There's some things we can give thanks for. I'm thankful for a lot of things. But there's a lot of things in my life that, that I'm not thankful for, but I can be thankful in because I have a God who is good, who loves me, who is faithful. And he has never, ever let me down. So today I want to look at uh, back to chapter 4 and... Uh, let me ask you a question, though. Do you like to, pre, to, to please people? Do you, do you like to, to please people? Yeah? Is that okay? Well, you want to please your parents, right? It's not a bad thing to please your parents, right? Uh, my mom's 91, and I, and I try to please her. You know, it's pretty hard to do. <laughs> She's a cranky old 91. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening. No, she's not. Don't worry. She doesn't know how to work a computer. Um, but, you know, we, we try to please our parents. And, you know, what about uh, our spouses, you know? We try to please them, right? It's not, that's not a bad thing, right? It's a good thing. You know, flowers, tools, you know, things that are, you know, useful, things that are not useful, but maybe they bring a smile to their face. How about your boss? You try to please your boss. You work hard. Sometimes they, they acknowledge it, sometimes they don't. Maybe your friends. I think one of the biggest things about pleasing people, though, is, is time. And you just give them some time. Makes a difference. Just giving them a little bit of time. That's not always easy to do. But, but in these verses that I want to look at today is, is kind of the ultimate, is, is who should we live to please? And this is what he talks about here in this verse. We've been kind of sold a bill of goods, I think, 
And what we've been told that we, that we should live to please one and only one. And who is that? Now, what we've been told. Right, me. Number one, I got to live to please me. You know, everybody out there is important and everything, but really it's most important that I live to please numero uno. But, but, you know, that's really kind of not the way that God's word makes it very clear. The ultimate is living to please God. Why? Because he's worthy. I was, I was thinking about this. Why? Why should I live to please him? Because he is the only one worthy of living to please if I give all my life to please a, a human being, no. He is the only one that is worthy. He has done so much, he, again, because of who he is. Simply because of who he is. He is worth living to please. Let's look at verses 1 and 2, chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As, in fact, you are living... And now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray again for our hearts to be in tune to what you would say through your word, by your word, to us, Lord, each, each one of us. And we, and we pray that we might live to please you in more and more, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. He starts off by saying here, finally, and, and some of you, when you hear that word, you say, okay, it's the end. It's the, you know, the closing of the sermon. Finally, what I want to say to you, but then he goes on for like a whole bunch. And for really, for, for Paul, it's usually just that he's changing into another section, some practical stuff. But he said, finally, he said, we, we instructed, we, we taught you how to live in order to please God. Some of the versions talk about it as, use the word walk, how to walk. But really what that word means is the totality of a person's life. Your, your walk is your life. And he says, we instructed you, we're teaching you. And I think one of the things we have to realize is that it doesn't always come naturally. We need to be taught, we need to be instructed, we need to learn. And we're in the school. We're in the school. Every one of us is in the school. Some of us are not paying attention to the lessons like when you were back in high school. I remember this one class I was in. Um, it was a history class, you know. And, and, you know, I like history now, but I like history was like so boring. And I remember one time being in this class in history, and I, I, I looked around the room, and like 90% of the kids had their, their uh, heads down on their desk like this sleeping. And the guy just kept talking and talking. And I'm going like, okay, so I went. <laughs> you know, I mean. But, you know, I didn't learn much there. But you have to be willing to learn. You have to say, well, what does this person have to teach? What, what, you know, what is he trying to get across? And like some teaching is better than other teachers, obviously. And he was just, he was pretty boring with a boring subject. I don't even remember his name. But, but here he's, he's saying, we instructed you, we taught you. It's something we need to learn. The Christian life, the Christian walk. We don't, you know, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We become uh, part of the family. Then automatically we know everything. Is that what happened to you? I mean, I, I gave my life to Jesus and I, I realized, like, now what? Like, what do I do now? How do I, like... 
Does it matter? Is that, is that all there is? Is that it? Is this, you know, done? And, and gradually, I, I, you know, there were people around that would teach me, that would teach and that would show me and, and help me and, and kind of bring me down this path. And I think we all need that. And Paul's saying this is what we need to, to, to uh, teach us how to live, how to live in order to please God. Notice there he says that you are doing it already. They were living to please God. And he wasn't, you know, he, he, he's not afraid to acknowledge the fact that they, they were doing it. And, and the truth is, you know, for most of us, we are, we are on that path living to please God. But is that all there is? Is that the end? Will you get it? You get it once and that's it? How many of you have to learn the same lesson over and over again? I know I do. It's like... I didn't get it the first time or the third time or the tenth time or the hundredth time. I've got to keep learning. But, but it's because we're just kind of slow. We're just kind of, you know, we're weak. But Paul is, is, is encouraging them to keep going and to go deeper and to press on and not to stop. He says to do this more and more. To do this more and more. Make some forward progress in your life. If you've been a believer for, let's say, one year... And then five years down the road, is there some progress that's taken place and that, that, that learning and growth is taking place? Or are you kind of stuck there with the diapers on sort of thing? That's, that's not always good, is it? And sometimes we're like that. We go through periods maybe when we're just not growing, we're not learning, we're not taking anything in, and we start to stagnate, sort of like the Dead Sea. You all know the Dead Sea? Well, one of the reasons it is the Dead Sea is because nothing comes into it and nothing goes out of it. It's just stagnant. And uh, it's got this incredible high salt content. And that's, that's the Dead Sea where you can go and, and float on the water, right? How many of you have ever done that? Okay, you should do that sometime. It's really weird, but don't get it in your eyes. But just north of the Dead Sea, though, there's the Sea of Galilee, and it's, it's a completely different picture, right? You can't, you can't even put that water from the Dead Sea in your mouth. But the water from the, the Sea of Galilee, it, it, it feeds the whole country, the water that comes out of there. But there's water that comes in, and then there's water that goes out into the Jordan River down to the south. We can become stagnant like that. Nothing coming in, nothing going out, and, and, and we just become stagnated. Like Paul says, listen, I, I instruct you. I, I was teaching you know, how to live in order to please God. You're doing it. You're, on, you're doing good. But you know, there's room for growth, is there not? How many of you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty much I'm good. No room for growth in my life. I've, I've, I've got this thing down. i got the Christian walk down. Like, you know. I just dial it in, you know, I got the little remote control, I just dial it in and I, and I go. I wish I could say that. But you know, we have not arrived yet. You know, the longer, you know, we truly follow Jesus, we, the more we realize we have not arrived yet. You have not got there yet. Paul the Apostle said, you know what, I have not got there. I'm pressing on to, for the goal. I, I, I'm not stopped, I'm going to keep going. I got to get there. Until I get there, I get there. And so he wrote that song, We've Only Just Begun. And it, it's been a big hit. <laughs> Some of you are going like, what's he talking about? <laughs> you youngsters have no idea. You know what I believe, though, is if, if we're not moving forward, I believe this, we're, we're, we're doing what? We're going backwards. 
And, and you know what? For us to settle for mediocrity, I think, is a, a real shame. It's a, it's a horrible thing. Now, what I'm talking about is not striving in the flesh, but really it's, it's a direction of our hearts and minds that, you know, I want to I learn. I, wanna, I, I do want to live more and more to please you, Father. I do. And he sees the attitude of our hearts. He sees the desire of our hearts. He sees the, the direction of our hearts. And, and he honors that, and he, and he will work with us. He doesn't got a lot to work with. I understand that. But he will work with us with, with what we have. How little it is. So, I have two questions. Well, one question is what pleases him is the first question. And you know what? There's a lot in the scripture about this. And so I want to look at some verses in the time we have left here and ask God to open our eyes. And maybe there, look for that one word, maybe that one, that one verse or that one part that might be for you to take away to take home and say, you know what, I, I do want to live in there. And I heard that something there, but you got to keep your eyes in tune. You can't put your head down on the chair in front of you and sleep through, through it to, and, and expect to get anything. I got nothing from that class back there. Ask God to open our eyes. This word please, just a definary, definition uh, from the dictionary, is really this, to cause to feel happy, to give enjoyment to, and to make glad. So that we would live to please God, to bring joy to his heart and to make him glad. That's good, huh? To bring joy to God's heart, to make him glad. Let's, let's go back a few books to Ephesians, and, and you've got to keep up with me here. Ephesians chapter 5. And verses 8 through 10, and if you need to keep your uh, hand in the index, that's okay too. Because uh, we're going to look at some different verses, uh, mostly in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, I want you to see this is like throughout the, throughout the scripture. But <clears throat> he says in verse 8, For you were once darkness, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. That's why I say the question, what pleases him? What do I, what do I need to do? And again, it's not a system of works that I'm trying to express here. It's, a, it's an attitude of our hearts where we say, Lord, I want to please you. So what, what does it mean? He says here, uh, find out what pleases the Lord. The second point I want to make is that we need to make it our goal to please Him and, and have that as one of the goals of our lives and hearts and, and, and the number one person that we want to please. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Turn back uh, four or five more books. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. He says, so, whether, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. He's talking about uh, after we die. But he says we make it our goal to please him. I want to please you the best I can. My life being pleasing to you. My, my, my life bringing joy to your heart. My life uh, making you glad. Uh, oh God, bringing a smile to the face of God. You kind of heard that language before and I think it's good. So thinking about that then, you know, 
what pleases him and making it our goal to please him. Well, where does it all start? I want to I uh, say to you that it starts back in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 is the starting place, and you'll see why once you turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you, if you don't have a faith and a trust and a belief in, in the Almighty God, that He is the Creator, that He exists, that He, that, that, how, how could you even think it? You've got to start there. Our faith, our, our, our understanding of, of who He is and our surrendering our lives to Him. It starts there with believing in Him. Without that, just, you know, you might as well just forget it. What we're talking about here today makes no sense whatever. In fact, it could become a system of works if you have no faith in this one that you're trying to please. If you don't even believe he exists, then you're just doing works. You're just doing things, right? And it makes no sense. So it starts with faith. It starts with belief. And, and uh, that's, that's why uh, he says that here. But I want you to look back to verse 5. Because we've seen an example of a real person here. Look at verse 5. It says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who what? Who pleased God. He was commended as one who pleased God. You say, well, well, what is it about Enoch? I mean, it seems that Enoch pleased God so much that God said, you know what, I'm taking you right now. But did that happen overnight? I, I want to I tell you what, what the rest of the story is. You don't need to turn there. But back in, in the book of Genesis, way back in chapter 5, it says that, that uh, after he became, that is, Enoch became the father of Methuselah, and you've all heard of Methuselah, right? That's like, Enoch was his father. Now that you know that piece of important information. It says this, listen very carefully. Enoch walked with God 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 65 365 years. It says, Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him. So do the math there. He was, he was really 65 years he wasn't walking with God and then for 300 years he walked with God. And we, we see here in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11 it says he was one who was commended as one who pleased God. So what was it about Enoch? Simply this, that he walked with God. He walked with God, and he walked with God a long time. It didn't happen. It's not a one-time, you know, uh, a flash-in-the-pan kind of thing. It's a long journey where we walk with God, and, and God was so pleased with him. And, and, and like I said, he finally said, you know what, I can't even take it. I've got to bring you home. Enoch walked with God, and it's for you and for me to, to, to live a life walking with him every day. Not just on Sunday I go to hear a message, but, but I want to walk with God in this life. 
Can you do that? Is that possible? Yes, it is. Enoch did it for 300 years. You and I can do it for maybe 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years, however many years we have left here. He walked with God a lot longer than he didn't walk with God. Enoch walked with God 300 years. You say, well, you know what? I've been walking a long time and I wish something would happen. I wish... You know, I'm trying to please God. Well, you know what? Are you just walking with him every day? That pleases him. Say, well, the question we ask is, what pleases God? Well, walking with him and living your life with him, this pleases God. That pleases him. He's happy, but he's, he's just like, his heart is just like, so happy. How about chapter 13 of Hebrews Seems to talk about it quite a few times here in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. He says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is what? He's pleased. What pleases him? Make it our goal. And in, in this verse here, we saw Enoch, he walked with God. This verse here, he's talking about a sacrifice of praise that the fruit of lips when we confess his name, when we sing to him. He, his, it's in, you know, he inhabits the praises of, of his people, the psalmist, psalmist says. And, and, and this is one of the reasons because it's it, it just like, wow. But not just that. It's not just singing to him, though that's one facet. That's one beautiful facet, important facet. I love music. I love to sing and, and, and to sing to, to God and confess his name is good. But he also mentions a few other sacrifices that we make in, in doing good and sharing with other people, sharing with others. God is pleased when we share with other people. Again, that's the antithesis of what the world would say Live to please number one, live to please me. But he's saying live to, to help other people, and, and that pleases him. How about Hebrews chapter 12? One more in, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. And 29, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You say, well, what, what in here is about pleasing him? Well, that word acceptably is, is actually better translated as well-pleasing. We worship God, and it's well-pleasing to him. Being thankful worshiping him with reverence and awe. Some of the verses, uh, the other versions say, you know, that's acceptable. Well, it literally means well-pleasing, well-pleasing. We worship God, and it's well-pleasing. We worship him with reverence and, for awe, and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This pleases him. How about let's turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15. Let's start there. Back to Romans chapter 15. 
You know, Jesus is our example, right? He's, he's our ultimate example and our one that we follow. And Jesus said that when he was on the earth in, in John chapter 8, he said, the one who sent me is with me for he has not left me alone. He says, for I always do what pleases him. I always do what pleases him, Jesus said. And, and so he is our example and he's pleasing God in the way he lives and, 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 and that. But look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. He says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Jesus is an example. He didn't, he didn't live to please himself. And as he was taking care of people, as he was loving people around him and doing, people, doing things for the people around him, he says, I'm pleasing the Father. So living a life, uh, you know, a selfish life is not pleasing him, but living a life where we take care of people around us, we care about the people around us, that's pleasing to God. It isn't always just that we're looking at him and thinking, uh, you know, I want to please you. What can I do and say to you? There are times for that, yes. And we've looked at that worship and, and song and confessing his name. But there's times when just taking care of the people around us and loving them and doing stuff for them is pleasing to God. What pleases him? Make it our goal. How about Romans chapter 14? Tried to keep these all easy for you. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 and 18. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Serving Christ with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I like that. I like the way that sounds, but I like it more if it's in my life. Just not, it's not all about just food and drink. It's not just about feeding the flesh, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's pleasing to Him. Serving God with that. That's pleasing to God. A few that I'll mention. Uh, one is obedience to parents. And it says in Colossians, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Uh, Philippians talks about the gifts. Paul, he says he received gifts that people had given, and he said they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Some people make that, of course, the whole enchilada, right? This is how you please God. You give money. Okay, we're going to take another offering right now. Can we have the ushers come forward? Because I want to make sure you get that opportunity to please God right now. Okay, but we can go way to the other extreme, right, where we don't even bring it up. It is pleasing to God that we give an offering and, and share with what God has given to us. It is pleasing to Him. How about uh, this in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, that it's a little bit harder to please God when you're married? You know that passage there? 
He says an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. That's just one of the, you know, one of the things we have to realize. It's sometimes a little more difficult. You think, oh, once I get married, I can really please God. Well, no, it just becomes a little more complicated sometimes. Talking about the woman, same thing, same thing. He said her aim is to be devoted to the Lord, one that isn't married in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. And that's right, and that's good. So, you know, it does get a little complicated sometimes, doesn't it? We have to take care of the things that in our lives. We have to do that, but, but at the same time, our hearts focused and going in that direction to please Him. One more I'll quote from Psalm 19 where he says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let me read that one more time. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The things we say, the thoughts and the meditations of our heart. Now, last but, last but not least, I want to bring you to the last one that uh, is, is uh, important. And, and really, this is, in a nutshell, it's this is what pleases him is, is offering ourselves completely to him. That, that, I think that is the ultimate, and, and, and for us to offer ourselves, and that's the, the attitude of our heart that, you know, I am yours. I am yours. In the Old Testament, uh, you, you can read about the burnt offering, and, and uh, the burnt offering was this, an offering that was put on the altar, and it was completely and totally burned up, completely and totally uh, consumed by the fire. And that's what a burnt offering is. But really what it signifies, and when you think about it, it was, it was an offering that was from the heart that was completely given over to God. Not just a little part, and, and you maybe put a part on there, but, but completely given over to God. And that's really the, the significance of the burnt offering. It says in Exodus that this, it, it says, then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. A pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord by fire. It was said to be a pleasing aroma. You can read it and you can, you can read it over and over again. It was pleasing to the Lord. It brought joy to his heart. The fact that, that they brought this and they just put it all on the altar there. And they gave it all. Well, when we turn here now to Romans chapter 12, we see the same thing is said about us, isn't it? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, because of he's been so merci merciful, he says, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Again, it's some say acceptable. But it, the, the meaning is well-pleasing, holy and pleasing, well-pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Living sacrifices offered up to Him, that pleases Him. 
where we say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not holding anything back. I'm gonna, I, I want to give you every, I want to give you all of who I am. Now, does that mean that we're going to live perfectly after that? No, it's, again, it's an attitude of our hearts that we offer ourselves up to him, and, and, and that pleases him. That brings joy to his heart. That makes him glad. Finally, you've been waiting for that word, how do we do it? I want to tell you that, that we're not on our own, and, and um, I'll tell you why I say that. If you turn back to Hebrews one more time, Hebrews chapter 13, one more time. I should have told you to keep a marker in Hebrews, but it's okay. It's good practice trying to find your way around, right? I encourage you to, to learn the books of the Bible in order. I'm teaching the kids over at the school the, the books of the Bible in order because we need to navigate. We need, we need to be not biblically illiterates. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20 and 21. Look carefully what he says here. Now, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. That's a mouthful right there but he's talking about the one who will do what he says in verse 21. May he, verse 21, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May he, may he do that. May he equip us with everything good for what we need to do His will. May He work in us to make us pleasing to Him. We're not on our own, you know. That's what I'm saying here. Our God is, you know, He's willing to work with us. He knows you. He knows me. And it's the attitude of our heart where we're willing to say, you know what, I want to please you. I want to live to please you. I want to live to please you more today than I did yesterday more next week than I did this week. Find out what pleases the Lord and make it our goal, a way of life, starting with faith and walking with Him, a life that walks with Him, and praise, doing good, sharing with others, serving with righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, thinking about other people and offering ourselves completely to Him. These all please him. They all bring joy to his heart and they make him glad. Let's pray. Father God, we <clears throat> stop this moment and this time in our, our uh, morning, Lord, and uh, maybe we feel a failure or maybe we feel uh, discouraged or maybe we're not sure if we have. I know that you, there's no condemnation from you. Your, your heart is to, to just see us grow and to see us learn, to see us uh, go forward, and, and uh, you, you're not uh, keeping uh, score. But you just want to have a you want to walk with us as much as as uh, we are willing to walk with you. And you want to give us what we need to to follow your will. You want to give us what we need to, to working in us to to make us pleasing uh, to you. You're not making it hard for us. You're making it easy for us because you just love to have this relationship with us more than we can even imagine. 
So Lord, we come today and we, and we say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. We offer it up to you. We, we just give it to you. It's not much. The little boy with the five loaves and the two fish didn't have much, but it went a long way. And we just, get, we just give you that little bit that we have, that, that little uh, talent, that little, little bit of heart that we have, God. Maybe we're beat up and we need to, we need to be shored up and strengthened. And, and we, we just give it all to you, God. We come before you, Lord. We do want to live to please you more and more. Father, help us, Lord. Help us. I pray as well this morning for any who maybe have not been at that first step of faith, the first step of trusting the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is a day the Lord has made. And what does it mean? It means simply that you believe in Him and that you trust Him and you believe that He died upon the cross for your sin. You believe that you are separated from Him by sin. You know you're a sinner, but that the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord and that, that all that we need to do, all you need to do is receive that free gift that he's given and say, I, I accept it, I receive it. And you can simply pray and open your heart and say, Dear God, I, I, I believe that you did die for my sin. I believe you were buried and rose from the dead. And I receive that free gift can't earn it, but I receive that free gift of eternal life. And help me, Lord, to live for you. I want to please you too because you are so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?